0: This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. Uh-oh. Get a job! Get up there! Yeah. Boom! Look at him, he's outposted. He's yeah. the greatest pound for pound fighter. The Queen of Cups! what is going on i'm rob fame welcome to your tuesday edition of sports bar radio it is the 10th day of august a little overcast in the lower mainland and i am so glad after a three-day hiatus we get together for another edition of sports bar radio we got a ton of stuff to get to boy three full days off from this show Uh, I do want to say thank you to everybody that has been checking in on Apple iTunes in particular. Uh, We are ranking right now in 14 different countries, including Canada, where we got as high as number six, and we are only looking to grow. So my thanks to everybody from Equity Guru for believing in this podcast and for downloading it, sharing it, liking it, subscribing, you know, all that stuff that goes into what we're trying to do. some what 80 85 episodes in and I think we're finally starting to get some traction hey you never hit the ground at number one unless you're a wrestling podcast but realistically I am so proud of what we've been able to accomplish to all of our guests we got a couple of great ones coming up later this week but today it's just you and me and we're going to talk about a lot of different things today Lionel Messi is in Paris the Toronto Blue Jays are still red hot the Canadian Football League is battling COVID to some extent And a certain Canadian is back on the court doing big things. Let me get you to that one story that rises above the rest. That one story that when you hear it, you're like, yep, that's a big deal. Let me get you to the lead.
1: We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, Let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today.
0: Alright, so when you pick the lead, you're either picking one of the biggest names in sports or you're picking one of the biggest sporting moments to try to wet your whistle and get you ready for the show. I'm gonna take you a little off the beaten path here because something happened in the last 24 hours that has a really, really cool story to it. She goes by the name of Rebecca Marino, and she just moved on to the second round at the National Bank Open in Montreal. Trust me, nobody is writing home about a 220th player in the world ranking wise, topping a 16th seed 6363. Is it a blip on the radar? Yes. But when you know the story, It is so much more. Marino burst on the scene as a teenager, and early on, she played in her first professional event right here in Vancouver in August of 2005, but she lost in qualifying. Everybody was talking about this young prospect from Toronto that had the quote potential to become something big. In 2008, she wins her first singles title, and she also wins her first doubles title. And then in 2010, her world changed. She played in her first Grand Slam at the United States Open in August, and after winning three qualifying matches just to get there, she ends up beating Kenzia Pervik to set up a second round clash with number four, Venus Williams. This is a young Canadian all of a sudden thrust into the spotlight at the US Open against Venus Williams. She lost which included a very close first set which ended in a tiebreak and even after the match Venus said quote, it seemed like every time at an opening she came up with a big serve so I guess I know what it is like to now play myself, unquote. That was the anointment that all of a sudden thrust Rebecca Moreno into the spotlight. The following year she would get to a career high ranking of number 38 and everybody started saying that she might be Canada's next big thing. But from the french open to the u.s open to wimbledon the pressure wasn't just on the court the pressure was getting to rebecca moreno off of the court the social media the constant badgering from media all of a sudden rebecca moreno on a trajectory towards stardom stopped in her tracks shortly after a first round exit at the 2012 australian open she decided she wanted to take a break it was mental and physical fatigue and then when she tried to come back the injury bug struck. She decided late in February 2013 she was gonna take a second break from tennis with no timetable for her return. Now that is how she got to 2013. But imagine this, we've watched in the last couple of weeks, speed at the Olympics or even before that with Naomi Osaka, that sometimes these athletes simply need to step back or in some cases, step away. Eight years later, it is a lot more accepted than it was in 2013. I remember reading some of the reports about how Rebecca Moreno stepping away couldn't have come at a worse time and that she was quitting on the game. There were her supporters but there were also her detractors. So fast forward a couple of months later and all of a sudden the Vancouver Canadian season is getting underway and every year out at Nat League Stadium a handful of interns show up usually working for next to nothing but they put in their time and they learn the ropes about what minor league baseball and professional sports is like. And amongst those four lucky individuals that were hired, Rebecca Moreno. Imagine in her red staff shirt with khaki pants, making sure that you got to section four, five or six, that was the same woman who two years earlier was at center court at the US Open against Venus Williams. But here's the beauty in the situation. And now I can speak about it openly. A, she no longer works with the Canadians. B, I no longer work with the Canadians. And you know what, to be honest with you, I think it's a great story. It was not a story that was gonna be told in real time. I was told as the media relations director, no way does anybody know publicly that Rebecca Moreno is working at Nat bailey Stadium. Why? Because not only was it not a story that had to do with baseball, but it was privacy that she was craving and privacy that she got from the organization that summer. But I'll tell you this, it was amazing to me sometimes just listening to her tell these stories of tennis and how she was on the cusp of greatness, but it made you realize, maybe not even at the time, but a little bit later on, that these athletes are people too. That was the one takeaway. I would watch her sit there with a broom, cleaning up popcorn kernels after a game. She would be there calling people, trying to sell them nap packs and trying to sell them tickets, trying to get game day sponsors, doing everything that most of those kids who were fresh out of school were trying to do. She never made a stink about who she was. Half of the people didn't even know who she was or anything that she had accomplished. But I would watch from a distance as a guy that had worked in sports radio, knowing that that was the girl at center court that took on Venus Williams just months earlier. But now I want to fast forward it to this conversation because it's now been a couple of years since she's gotten back onto the court and now she is starting to make a name for herself again. A victory over the number 16 seed. No, it's not a major, but it is a Canadian tournament. And for the first time in her career, she makes it to the second round. But imagine the journey between 2013 when she stepped away from the game five years later to finally resume her career and in 2021 make her way back to the stage. I'm not sure if she's ever going to get to the center court at the U.S. Open again. I'm pretty sure she's not going to play Venus Williams. But what I will say is she is an unbelievable example of how you can come back after stepping away. A lot of people assume with this mental challenge that some people face, like myself, that every once in a while, once you step away, you can never come back. That you can't reinvent yourself. That you'll never be what you were. And those aren't just words spoken from others. That is the demon within ourselves trying to say, boy, if we step away for too long, maybe we'll never get our groove back. But now at just 30 years old, Rebecca Moreno has found it again. And this time she's stronger, this time she's more mentally focused, and this time she is ready for the rigors of the naysayers that will inevitably come, with few remembering how tough those words were on her a decade earlier. But there is such a beauty in watching her succeed heck there's such a beauty in just watching her get back into the game but more importantly now she's competing and the way she looks in the camera and answers the reporter's questions the way that she conducts herself you can tell that there's a bounce in her step again that she's enjoying the process which not many people get to do at any point in their career so i'm personally happy to watch her not only play good tennis but enjoy playing the game of tennis not everybody gets to bounce back But she has and to have a front row seat to that resurrection makes me feel like every time she steps on the court we go along with her all right let's get to the rest of the news of the day there's so much going on in major league baseball boy the toronto blue jays are hot they are red hot right now let's talk about if that makes a difference as they move into the last 45 50 games of the season as well we're going to talk about the NFL Peyton Manning finally gets enshrined into Canton Ohio and we will talk about so much more man we're going to get into UFC we're going to get into basketball hockey we've just got started but let me get you to that one room where we house it all we call that room in this sports bar the VIP room
1: you knew tonight was going to be a good night didn't you Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Well,
0: it's very rarely that we'll start with the soccer on the other side of the pond, but this is big news. Lionel Messi finalizing an agreement on his Paris Saint-Germain contract, arriving in the French capital this morning to complete the move that confirms the end of a career-long association with Barcelona. The 34-year-old Argentinian agreed to a two-year deal with the option for another season. That, according to a person with knowledge of the negotiations, telling that to the Associated Press, the person speaking on the condition of anonymity talking about the contract at around 35 million euros annually. And Messi's arrival makes PSG unbelievable when you think of what their offense is, as he teams up with Brazilian forward Neymar, who posted back together on his Instagram over a video with them hugging and at the time playing for Barcelona. And how about this, PSG had to pay 222 million euros, which is about $261 million American, to sign Neymar from Barcelona in 2017. There is no transfer fee for Messi. He was the most desired free agent in soccer history, when you think about it, after attempts to stay at Barcelona just never came to fruition, and some of that same because the club is in debt more than a billion dollars. Listen, Messi won every major honor with Barcelona, and now will try to help PSG regain the French title that it lost late last season, but they did finally win the Champions League. To the diamond we go, Toronto Blue Jays getting ready to open up a series with the Los Angeles Angels. Angels at 500, and the Blue Jays right now are 10 games above 500, at 60 and 50. And I don't think you can go without saying that this is an extraordinary season for the Toronto Blue Jays no matter what happens. Figuring they started the season in Dunedin, then made their way to Buffalo, finally getting back to Toronto and they're 8-2 in their past 10. They are in the race with the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Rays. They're just seven games back but playing great baseball and mathematically have the easiest remaining schedule of those four teams in the American League East. Hey, listen, I'm not saying that they're going to win the American League East, but they are right in the conversation, three games out of the wild card, and not a team that many want to play right now. We had talked uh, uh, before we move on from the Blue Jays. I want to say that we've talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being absolutely Mister Everything this year. Uh, a home run this past week to go with a couple of RBIs, but in his last seven games, something to keep an eye on here. Vladdy is five for twenty-eight. That translates to a batting average of a buck seventy-nine. He's got a slugging percentage of just three twenty-one. I'm not saying there's an injury here, but there might be an opportunity for him to rest at some point. As again, over the past couple of days, he's run into some pretty tough pitching, but has cooled down a little bit, although he can't maintain what was at the time a 341 batting average. he's uh, average now sinking to 318 as they get ready for this series with the Angels. Not saying there's a problem, just saying it's something you might want to keep your eye on. To the other side of the continent, Seattle Mariners getting ready to host the Texas Rangers, uh, the elixir for those who are struggling. Seattle four and six in their past 10, getting ready to take on a Texas Rangers team that has lost six in a row and is a miserable 39 and 73. Logan Gilbert getting the ball today, five and three with an ERA of 4.14. Gilbert's been awesome since coming to the major leagues. I think this is a great one. Opposite Kobe Allard, who in his last start fell to two and 10 allowing two runs on six hits over six innings of work. Texas lost to the Angels 2-1. Uh, Allard struck out three and is trying to stop a skid that has seen him lose four in a row. So not sure if you heard this story, but the Florida Marlins were in Colorado playing a game over the weekend, and Lewis Brinson was called the N-word by a fan a couple of times and now is calling for the Rockies mascot to have its name changed. Lewis Brinson, since it's time to retire Dinger, or at least change the Rockies' mascot's name, explaining that the Colorado's character moniker is just too similar to the N-word. He spoke in-depth with reporters did Lewis Brinson for the first time since Sunday's drama in Denver, and it seems his solutions to the issues would be for the Rockies to move on from the mascot's current name. The Rockies did an internal investigation and said that they confirmed that the fan did not say the N-word, but was rather screaming for the team's mascot, Dinger. And there is video of a fan trying to get the attention of Dinger, the Rockies mascot. Brinson did add that if he was yelling for the mascot, he's sorry for any backlash or unnecessary attention that he's getting right now. How did Brinson play the night after? Oh, he had a good one he went two for four with a home run in the miami marlins loss to the san diego padres tyson fury should be getting ready for his trilogy fight but right now his newborn baby is back in the intensive care unit as athena fury born on sunday needed to be placed needed to be placed in the icu on a ventilator just hours later well if you're into uh cards and collecting i got a couple of good ones for you kobe bryant's nba debut shoes are going up on the block Again, his shoes from his very first NBA game, they can be yours, but it is going to cost you. Bryant had a custom pair of size 14 Adidas as he stepped onto the court for the first time, which he ended up giving away to a fan outside the forum just after the game. And now the fan is looking to part ways with that keepsake, he's put them up at the auction, gotta have rock and roll. They come with a ticket stub from the game, the bidding starts at 100 hundred thousand, and it could go up to as much as five hundred thousand, according to tmz sports bidding starts tomorrow and all you could say is good luck now lebron james has an interesting card that a lot of collectors just never think that they're going to be able to get their hands on why because there's only one of them that have ever been made it is a one of one autograph rookie card And you can get it if you got more than a million bucks hanging around. TMZ Sports also learning that the collectible SP Authentic Exquisite Endorsements card from King James 2003 season is in mint condition. It's got a 9 PSA grade. It was packed and saved for nearly two decades. It's the first time that it surfaced in nearly 20 years. The bidding opens tomorrow. And for perspective, back in April, his rookie patch autograph card sold for $1.7 million and a 9.5 graded card sold for $1.8 million. So yes, LeBron is still a very hot ticket when it comes to the auction. And finally, it looks like there's going to be a little peace in Raptor Nation after all, as Goran Dragic has walked back his comments that he made a couple of days earlier after getting traded to the Raptors for Kyle Lowry. The clip, which was posted a couple of days ago, has Dragic saying, quote, Toronto is not my preferred destination. I have higher ambitions. We'll see. But Dragic isn't trying to pretend that he was misquoted, just that it might have been taken out of context. He has now followed up by saying my message basically to all Toronto fans is that I would like to apologize, it just didn't come out the right way. I know they love their team and they should be proud it's one of the best organizations in the NBA, they've already won a championship and I didn't so what I said was not really appropriate." Unquote. But let's really quickly get back to the actual clip which was Toronto is not my preferred destination. I have higher ambitions, we'll see." I have no problem with the quote, to be honest with you. He didn't say anything about Canada. He didn't say anything about the players. He simply said that it's not his preferred destination, that he has higher ambitions. And what that means is he sees the Raptors are starting to do a bit of a rebuild, and he wants to, in his last couple of years, try to play for an NBA championship. You gotta remember, he's 35 years old. He's in the final year of a $19 million contract, and you gotta wonder if he's gonna be looking for one more two to three year deal that can retire him and his kids, and his kids, kids, and his kids, 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 kids. I don't mind this. And I hate when the media grabs this kind of stuff and simply says, Ooh, we got a sticky wicket here. Let's get some clicks. I don't have any problem with bat flips. I don't have any problems with guys that throw high and tight. I don't have any problems with guys that dance in the end zone. And I don't have any problem with players saying that there's certain cities that they might just not want to go to because of the situation that they're currently in. We can't expect athletes to be perfect. At the end of the day, he said what he had to say. If you're a fan and you don't like it, well, tough shit. Because he's got the right to say where he wants to play and where he does not want to play. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Hit me up at Twitter, ROB, Frank AI. That is where you will find me when we come back. We're gonna get into it. Minor league baseball last year decided to wax 42 cities and try to condense their minor league baseball system. I'm going to let you know how it's going, the things that they did right, and a handful of the things that they can still improve on. I'm Rob Fain. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio, presented to you, as always, by Equity Guru.
1: You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Faye, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.
0: This segment is brought to you by me and my new enterprise, Nation Extreme Wrestling. Hey, what would happen if a wrestling mark from way back decided that he was going to start his own wrestling promotion here at home and have some of the most talented wrestlers in North America hang out with him? Well, tell you what, you can follow our journey at www.nationextremewrestling.com and stay tuned for show dates in the coming months.
1: Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.Guru.
0: Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fay. So glad that you stopped by to hang out. And uh, I just want to say that our sister podcast, which is called N-E-W, Wrestle Nation, has episode two available right now. So after you finish listening to this one, if you want to support our other endeavor, myself and Chris Perry with N-E-W, Nation Extreme Wrestling, go check out what Jay Bowman, Mike Paris, and the Stanch and White not are doing. It is a fantastic listen. about 45 minutes of your time? and um yeah I'd love to support them and also don't forget J swing and flip out every week putting out great music across the board I think Chris Perry's built himself a pretty good platform here Jody Vance is in the mix Rob Simpson's in the mix it is just a a good place to get all of your information whether it's tech talk whether it's stocks whether it's sports whether it's music a little bit of everything right now and that is why we are all proud to be a part of the Equity Guru family So as many of you know, I have a history within minor league baseball having broadcast and been a communications guy within an organization. And I remember still to this minute that it was uh, a pretty gray cloud when I left with regards to not just COVID, but the fact that minor league baseball was about to gas 42 franchises. From its portfolio going from 162 teams down to 120 and basically what that meant is each of the 30 major league franchises had four minor league affiliations and that is how they were going to build it and now major league baseball if memory serves me correct the reason they wanted to do this was because they wanted to quote pay their players more money they wanted to increase this which to me is always been a conversation that has fallen on deaf ears because even with the four to five hundred dollars more that minor league baseball players are making this season which gets them in the range of probably about 11 to 1400 dollars a month it's still not enough It's still not close to enough because even though you have certain organizations that have really stepped forward with their minor league system like the Toronto Blue Jays, there are still organizations that are pinching pennies. And that is a problem. Minor league baseball, and here's something that maybe you don't know, do not have a union. They're not represented by the Major League Baseball Players Association. All they have is a group called Advocates for Minor Leaguers that help provide a unified voice. They have a little bit of a platform, Twitter, but there's no real place that a minor leaguer can take a grievance to or something that he believes needs to get righted. For clarity, I think you need to understand one thing. Minor league baseball teams are not responsible for paying the players within the minor league system. For example, the Vancouver Canadians, they pay for the stadium, they pay for the ticketing, they pay for all the stuff that is an experience for the fans. But the Athletes themselves are basically covered by their parent club which for example in Vancouver is the Toronto Blue Jays previously the Oakland A's and so what that means is that the players get paid by the Toronto Blue Jays they get insured by the Toronto Blue Jays and the staff that works around them is essentially hired by the Toronto Blue Jays so again The minor league baseball franchise is responsible for the bells and whistles around them, for providing a good atmosphere, for helping provide good food, maybe some housing families to take some of that financial burden off of where they live over the course of the spring and summer. But I'll tell you, man, I have watched the reduction of the 42 teams within minor league baseball this season. It is very marginal, the improvement that we've been able to see across the board. And I don't think that that's what a lot of teams who lost their franchises were hoping for. If you're gonna have your team cut out from underneath you, then you wanna make sure that the game at least thrives. Hey, if we're gonna take a bullet for this one, then it better get better, but it hasn't. And if it has, it's been very small, and that is a part of the problem. Major League Baseball overthought this process. They thought that they'd be able to save probably about a million dollars per Major League team by reducing the draft, by cutting down on the number of affiliations that they had i mean certain organizations had five six teams that they had to stock with 35 to 40 players each summer that's a lot of money that's a lot of extra bills a lot of bus trips a lot of things that they had to take on but when you think about what the reduction in cost is it's actually very minimal to an organization that essentially pays players on average what eight to fifteen million dollars Now, all of a sudden, you're saying for one, one and a half million dollars, you're gonna reduce the minor leagues and you're gonna take, quote unquote, some pressure off of these organizations? I don't think so. But let's get back to the plight of a minor league baseball player, because you know what? The first rounders, the second rounders, the comp picks from back in the days, you knew that they were gonna get fast-tracked. If they were good, they were gonna be there for a couple of weeks, and that was it, they were gone. But for the guys that are drafted in the 15th round, the 18th round, dare we say the 20th round, it's a lot of work or I mean, you know who gets treated the worst is free agents because the Major League Baseball team has no equity in them at all. For example, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. So a first-rounder gets drafted, he signs for a million dollars, he gets half of his signing bonus up front, he gets half of his bonus at the end of the season or the end of the year, depending on how that negotiation went, and they're pretty much set. They can go out and they can buy whatever they want, they can retire their ma, I don't know, for certain guys like Alec Manoa, who signed for, what, six, seven million, he could set his family up really nice. But for a guy that was a free agent who didn't get drafted and is on a, quote, flyer from this Major League Baseball team that thinks there might be something there... There's nothing more than a plane ticket to a city where you get a couple of at-bats, you get a couple of defensive opportunities, maybe you get a couple of innings as a pitcher, and that is it. So that's why this monthly salary is so important to these guys. They don't get a chance to work in the off-season because now baseball is a 365-day-a-year responsibility. It's not like the old days where you can go and work for your dad at the shop and throw a couple of innings you were there now you got to eat right you got to work out at certain times they give you training plans they give you everything they need because you're quote their property and you know what you are their property but if you are going to be their property you would think that they would take better care of you and I've always found it amazing to me that minor league baseball allows these players to get paid so pitily. little details like off days and getting better housing, and maybe even stipends for housing. For example, the New York Yankees do offer housing stipends to players down in Florida at their complex that extend beyond the competitive season. And they cover housing for their high A-class team in Hudson Valley. But in many places, players are simply on their own. And for players who end up switching affiliations, the cost of breaking that lease in one city and finding a place in another can pretty much be two months' salary. Certainly more than that modest increase that minor league baseball's restructuring provided. There was a report that two different organizations had players, it was the Chicago White Sox and the Texas Rangers. The report came out that said the apartment applications that these players had were turned down because their income was considered too low. And these post-game meals, depending on the organization, can range greatly in quality. Meal money, you get 35, 40 bucks a day, and that doesn't go far. And you'll even hear coaches occasionally apologize to the players, wishing that they could do more. But food and housing aren't the only things right now. It's the actual paycheck because they're getting paid just hundreds of dollars per month to train at these facilities in the off season. And you can't have players worrying about whether or not they're going to break their bat for fear that they're going to run out before the end of the season because a bat costs 85 bucks and they're only making $1,300 a month. So what do you do? because Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball got together and said that they were going to increase the facilities' abilities, the capabilities, the comforts. They were going to pay these players more, and yet a lot of these teams aren't seeing the immediate returns on investment. They're going to say that they have, but the reality is, is there's a lot of players who are still having a tough time making ends meet. There's still a lot of players that can't get where they need to go, and now all of a sudden you sit back and you say, well, is baseball really worth it? Like, a lot of these guys come out of decent schools and have gotten themselves a a decent education, and even though they love the game, and of course, once you get drafted, you're only a couple of steps away from the bright lights of the major leagues, but those years in between, if you have a young family, if you have family maybe down in South America or Central America or wherever, and these free agents are sending a large portion of their check back, like, here's a story for you. I'll never forget it, and it was 2012, and it was a player by the name of Jorge Flores, and Flores was this 5-5 shortstop who was absolutely fantastic and after every game would go immediately back to the food table and start, cr- quote, crushing the spread. There's always a guy with a reputation that goes to the table more often than everybody else and makes everything more and takes probably more than his fair share. And the clubhouse attendants hate it because... Obviously, they want everybody to get their fair share. They want to get the bowl of soup. They want to get the one or two sandwiches, and then on to the next. But this one guy, uh, Jorge Flores, would make seven, eight sandwiches. And you're thinking, boy, this guy's 5'5", 155 pounds. What is he doing? So fast forward to later on in the day, and it was one of the rare days that I was staying a little bit later than most. I think we were getting ready for a bus trip or something like that. And all of a sudden, I saw a couple of the Latin kids come back into the clubhouse and Jorge Flores started handing out the sandwiches to all of his friends. And the reason that he was giving these sandwiches to his buddies is they couldn't afford to go out to Burger King, or they couldn't afford to go out to Manchu Walk, or wherever these guys go with the fast food varieties. And I sat there and I thought, boy, was I ever wrong about this? Because I sat there and I thought, boy, what a spread crusher. This guy's taking way more than his fair share. He's being a hog, he's being that guy. And when I realized that he was actually just taking care of his teammates who couldn't afford because they spend their money a lot by sending it home. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize this, that Latin players, for the most part, send almost all of their paycheck immediately back home they wire it home to their wives or their girlfriends or their moms or their dads maybe some of them have young kids back there and uh, that money goes a lot longer back in venezuela or the dominican republic or wherever they come from and in turn these guys live off of the sole things that that minor league baseball franchise provides for them or that parent club as well it's heartbreaking man because i was fortunate enough to ride those buses for 12 of my 15 years and the stories are everywhere like i could sit here and and wax on poetically about what minor league baseball is not doing and promises made and not promises kept but at the end of the day i just look back to the stories the individual stories about players that were scuffling along players that would really just find a way to tape together their season And it's kind of gut-wrenching because you think these are the guys that fans come out to see, big people come out to see them, and uh, at the end of the day, they're going back into the tunnel up to the clubhouse, making $1,000 a month taxed. That's tough. And so I was just hoping that if minor league baseball was going to reduce by 42 teams, again, 42 cities no longer have minor league baseball within their system. They're gone stadiums are empty or now they've got independent teams there but it is just not affiliated with a major league team that's tough that is a tough pill to absorb but uh, I just thought as a result of that surely it was going to result in those remaining players when you cut the draft in half and you reduce this minor league baseball commitment by 42 teams surely that's a significant spike but it has been anything but and there are some saying that that is not enough that there should even be more meat cut from the bone I just don't get it. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll put a bow on this show. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio. As always, is presented to you by Equity Guru.
1: You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and mad men.
0: This segment is brought to you by Saibon Inc., a pharmaceutical biotech company running clinical trials on using psilocybin thin strips to treat major depression. Their stock has more than doubled in the past month as the company rolls from milestone to milestone. And the company now has four formulations rolling through clinical trials as they uplist to the New York Stock Exchange. Their ticker symbol? CYBN. For more information, visit www.equity.guru.
2: Rock roll,
1: rock on. did you lose your seat that's okay i have a better one up front welcome back to sports bar radio with rob Fay.
0: okay final segment of sports bar radio for your tuesday and i just want to say thank you and uh, here's a little gift for you if you have listened to this point in the podcast I got a special guest for you, kind of like an Easter egg. I'm not even going to make this public. I just want to know if you got to this point in the show and let me know if you've heard this part of the show. One of you, if you go on social media and hit me up at Rob Fay, R-O-B, F as in Frank, A-I, and let me know who this special guest is, one of you will walk out of here with an t t-shirt, one of the first ones that we've ever given away. You had to get here. And now you have to let me know on social media who my guest is. He is a former WWE champion. He is a former reality show star. And he is one of the guys that I look up to in this industry because his mic work is second to none. Thank you for listening today to Sports Bar Radio. Here is my gift to you. An interview with former WWE champion The Miz. And I asked him at the time what it was like having one of his best friends Coming back into the WWE, enjoy.
2: You know, it's it, you know John Morrison's like a brother to me, and having him back, it just kind of uh, rejuvenated me. You know, you get a kind of an energy when someone you know you really enjoy working with comes back, and uh, you know, you know it feels like he never left. To be honest, like it's just seamless. It, there's no ring rust in him, and uh, you know, I feel like to be full circle, as you said would be to win the SmackDown Tag Team Champions and be at the top of the tag team list. So I think that's where our goal is right now.
0: Some of our fans have already submitted their questions, and the first one that I'm going to throw at you, Miz, is everybody loves your work on the mic. And we talk about hours in the gym, and we talk about all the things that it takes to be a true WWE superstar. But work with me on the little things behind the scenes, like making sure that every promo that you cut is to gold standard. How much work do you put in on something like that?
2: You have no idea. Uh, I'll give you a for instance. Before I was even in WWE, uh, when I was trying to learn the art of professional wrestling, I was on the independent wrestling circuit. However... Learning, uh, I while I was there, I was also in acting classes, improv classes, uh, basically trying to hone in uh, the craft of you know not only just acting but being able to speak. I also would do motivational speeches to large audiences to get my myself used to being in front of large audiences. And that was, honestly that was the reason I would do these these speeches was just to get practice in front of an audience because I knew I wanted to be a WWE superstar and I knew that would be a very big portion. Um, so, I mean, those are just some of the things that I started with now learning everything. I would cut promos on everything. When I was stuck in traffic in Los Angeles and driving around, I would literally cut promos on people in front of me, onto the left of me, to the right of me. I would cut promos on stop signs. If if a light turned red, I would cut promo on that. When I'm in the shower, I cut promos on shampoo bottles or conditioner. I cut promos on soap. Uh, you know, I cut promos on everything, like all day, every day. Right now, I'm cutting a promo on you.
0: The next one that I have here is take me back to your very first match against Tatanka.
2: I'm always nervous, even to this day, whenever I step out into the, uh, the arena. It's like when I'm back, right before I'm about to step out, right before I hear my music, I am nervous. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I got butterflies in my stomach, knots in my throat. I feel like I'm going to faint. Uh, but once my music hits... And I get out into the audience, everything goes away, and it turns into adrenaline. And that was from the first day all the way till today.
0: Speaking of music, when you were tagged up with R-Truth, you tried to take one of his songs and make it your own. And then between R-Truth and John Cena, it didn't come to fruition. Is there any truth to that? 100% truth. 100% truth. Uh,
2: I was like uh, trying to be witty and cool and fun, and I was like, truth! You know, I took one of your rap songs in. I kind of, I, I kind of did my own rap to it. What do you think? And he was, and, and was such the nicest guy. He's like, dude, that's great. Oh man, that was so awesome. Well, wow, really good. And then you just hear in the background, tell him the truth. Truth. He goes man,
0: that wasn't that good. (laughs) I was like, all right. Uh, You know, sometimes I get ahead of myself. When you received the Money in the Bank opportunity, a lot of people said that that was your first real go-around, which is surprising because you had already accomplished a lot. But what does it mean to finally cash it in, hold up that belt, and maybe get solidified as one of the true superstars within this industry?
2: You know, I honestly thought I was going to be the first to lose the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, at the time, no one lost it at the time, and uh, everyone was like, this is going to be the first guy that's going to lose it. I had no idea. And finally, you know, when I won the WWE Championship, that's where it solidified. That's where it was real to me, that I, I'm, I'm there. I made it. But even when you get there, you still feel like you have to do more. You have to be the one that ha- holds the title the longest. You have to have the biggest sales numbers, like everyone wants to watch you. The ratings have to be the highest. You want to sell the most merchandise, the, the biggest, the most T-shirts. And if you don't do that, then then almost you feel like a failure. And so it's, it, it, there's always, you know, you know, there's always a mountain, and it, it, the mountain always gets bigger. So no matter how big and how successful you become, you're always striving to do better and be better for that audience.
0: Ms. tell me something about Vince McMahon that maybe the common folk wouldn't know. Sometimes I don't
2: think that the, the audience may know how much Vince McMahon cares, not just about the talent, not about not just about the shows, but about every employee that is under you know the WWE ring wing. That, that any anyone that is 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 watching, he cares about the fans. He care. I mean, I don't think anyone understands how much he cares and how much work he does to make sure that the audience goes on with the exactly what they want that the superstars have a, have a great healthy life that that his employees are happy i mean he really goes in depth and, and surrounds himself with very talented people as well to make sure that 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 his vision g- gets across
0: i want to talk very quickly about your show ms and mrs because obviously it is something that a lot of people in the wrestling circle watch on a weekly basis but I also have a bit of a love affair with your father because your father always seems to... (laughs) He he comes across as a really endearing guy. Can you talk to me about the show and how much that's changed your life away from the squared circle? And also, maybe give us a little tidbit about your mom and dad.
2: When I was on The Real World back in 2001, and I'm not sure if you guys have, or The Real World was even popular in Vancouver, but I was on a show called The Real World on MTV, and it was a reality show about seven strangers that could live in a house. Then I did a bunch of challenges, and that was back in 2000, like, one, two, three, four. If you'd have told me back then I would have my own reality show about my family, and I would have two daughters, and my dad would be a huge star, and my my mother, my, my, my wife, Maurice's mother-in-law, would be a huge star, mm-hmm. then uh, I would have told you you're joking, and you're, 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 there's no possible way that would happen. But, man, I'll tell you what, this show has, has, has changed me. I mean, honestly, like... I love it because it brings my family together, and it allows everyone to really, you know, hone in and uh, and be around each other. Like I'll, I'll tell you a story. My dad, I go, hey dad, you want to come to uh, see your your new granddaughter, Madison? You know, we just had a, a daughter about four months ago. He still doesn't met her, and he was like, nah, I'll wait till something important happens. Oh, actually, he goes, are you filming? And I go, no, we're not filming, Dad. He goes, well, I'll wait until something important happens. I go, y- you got to be kidding me, Dad. Like, something, there's nothing more important than your grandchild. He goes, yeah, but she'll be there in four months. I go, oh, my God. All right, fine. <laughs> we're, we're filming in four months. We'll do that, all right? He goes, all right. So that's just the way my dad is. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll wrap we-
0: this up, and I'll tell you, Miss, you've come a long way from Normandy
2: yeah a long way from normandy <laughs> normandy the, high school yeah the
0: home of the invaders miz i really appreciate you doing this and i gotta be honest i feel like
2: vancouver is like a second home to me i've filmed i've filmed like five movies out there i actually did my first movie marie three uh with with jared kiso who uh i'm not sure if you know letter kenny but uh he kind of created that show and uh you know i'm a huge fan of of, of his work up there and uh you know, and a lot of people's work up there. You had a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time in Vancouver, so I'm excited to come up there with WWE.
0: Okay, that wraps up your Tuesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru. To Chris Perry, you're continuing to build yourself a monster. Uh, My thanks to Galen. My thanks to JP Chung, Asan, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until we do this again tomorrow, I am Rob Fay. Have yourself a fantastic day, and thank you for listening to Sports Bar Radio. Take care, everybody.
1: Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru, and let's make some money together. Please note any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.